Well, good morning, everyone. <laughs> Surprise. <laughs> uh, those, of, those of you who don't know, my name is Lloyd Syvertson, Aaron's dad. And uh, <clears throat> Aaron uh, called me, uh, I guess yesterday, and uh, he, he lost his voice a couple days before that, and it wasn't quite back yet. He didn't think he'd be up to be able to preach today, so he asked if I could fill in, so, and he had a tough time getting someone. Uh, you know, he thought, well, you know, at first he thought, who can I get? He said, I don't know, I'm going to try, uh, our, our congregation wouldn't tolerate poor preaching, so I'm going to get the absolute best preacher I know, <laughs> and so he called and said no. He said, uh, I know. Our, we're a highly educated congregation. I'm going to get the most scholarly, intellectual preacher that I know. He called again, said no. He said, I know. Maybe I'll try and get a retired pastor to come. And then when he called me for the third time, I just couldn't say, I couldn't say no, you know. So, so here I am, and here you are, and... Uh, and Actually, I, I um, you know, truth be told, I, uh, I was trying to decide when I should retire over the last couple of years, and I wasn't quite sure, but then when the church voted to change my day off to Sunday, I figured, well, maybe, <laughs> maybe that's a clue. So, so here I am. Uh, and it's important you know that I'm retired because to get a speaker, uh, to, if I just told you I was a pastor and you thought, wow, great, a pastor who's free on Sunday mornings, he must be a real winner, you know. So uh, just so that's clear that I, I did retire. And I, I mentioned to jo uh, Aaron um, when he first let me know that Joe was leaving, um, I said, Aaron, listen, you know, if, if there's ever anything I could do, you know, to help you out in the meantime, uh, as you begin your search, let me know. I just didn't think it was going to be the week after Joe, <laughs> Joe left, you know, I wasn't thinking that quick, but anyway, well, what I want to do today, I'm going to, uh, I'm not going to do a psalm, so I hope you're not uh, disappointed about that, but um, I want to uh, I want to invite you to turn to John ch chapter 13. It's uh, page 900 in your pew Bible, or if you want to follow along in your own Bible, or just listen, that's fine too, or follow on the screen. I want to read, uh, well, John 13 through 17 records Jesus' final words to his disciples before he goes to the cross. In fact, it's often referred to as the final discourse. It's his, you know, uh, last words, I guess you could say. And, you know, in those chapters, 13 to 7, it's really interesting because you get insight into what Jesus wanted to reinforce to his disciples after teaching and training them for three years. And now he's about to go, and he says, okay, guys, here's, here's what you need to know. He, he, this is important. This is high, 
priority, and that's what's recorded in John 13 through 17. But today we're just going to do John 13, and just I'm, I'm just, I want us to read the first 17 verses, although I am going to be referring to, um, to uh, other passage, verses in chapter 13. But let me read that for you, John chapter 13, <clears throat> verses 1 through 17. Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter and said to him, Lord, do you, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered him, what I'm doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, the one who has bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said, not all of you are clean. When he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, do you understand what I have done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you should also do just as I have done to you. Truly, truly, I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Let me pray before we go on. Thank you, Father, for your word. And uh, we really do believe this is the word of God. And we don't ask you to speak today because you just have spoken. Because it is your word. And Lord, we don't even ask you to be here today because you are here. What we do ask is that you would help us to receive your word. And that you would make your presence known to each and every one of us. And I pray, Lord, that you would, uh, you know every heart, you know every need, that you would speak to every person today, wherever you need to speak. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, what I want to do from these words of Jesus, I, I just want to make two observations. Sorry, not three points today. Just two observations uh, about Jesus and his followers. Uh, the first one, number one, Jesus knows who his true followers are. Jesus knows who his true followers are. In this passage, Jesus identifies his true followers by distinguishing them from someone who appeared to be a follower but was not. 
He looked like all the others. He talked like all the others. He acted like the others. But he wasn't a true follower. Several times, we read a couple of them in this chapter, where he references Judas Iscariot. Uh, Again, for the most part, looked like everyone else. But the fact is, he was a poser. He wasn't a real follower. Look at verse 2. During supper, when the devil had already put it into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him. So he identifies in verse 10, 11. And you are clean, but not every one of you, for he knew who was to betray him. That was why he said not all of you are clean. Verse 18, following the passage we read, I'm not speaking to all of you. I know whom I have chosen, but the scripture will be fulfilled. Who you ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. And then down the end of the chapter, it is he whom I give this morsel of bread when I have dipped it. So when he had dipped the morsel, he gave it to Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot. Then after he had taken the morsel, Satan entered into him. Jesus said to him, what are you going to do? Do quickly. So after receiving the morsel of bread, he immediately went out, and it was night. Jesus knew that Judas was not a true follower. The others didn't, but he did. Uh, Do you know Jesus knows in this room today who his true followers are? He does. Uh, We may all think we know, but really, only he knows. And, uh, you know, maybe you're here today and maybe you don't claim to be a follower of Christ. He knows that, but maybe you claim to be, but you're really not. He knows that too. And uh, it's important that we be true followers of Christ and that we know that. And by the way, being a true follower of Jesus doesn't mean that you never fail or disobey. It's not like you're perfect, and if you ever sin, you go, oh, I guess I must not be a true follower. No, that's, that's not at all. In fact, um, in this passage, he acknowledges, he, he makes that point by acknowledging Peter, and that he tells him that uh, though he is clean, he will still need to have his feet washed. And what he means by that, he says, Uh, you're clean spiritually, but you still need to have a foot washing. In other words, there's still some sin, there's still some dirt. Look at verses 8 and 9. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Then Lord Simon and Peter replied, not just my feet and my hands, but my head as well. Jesus answered, those who have had a bath need only to wash their feet. Their whole body's clean. And you are clean, though not every one of you. See, getting their feet dirty was uh, a way of Jesus telling his followers that even true followers of his will sin and, and will fail. And, but we need to come to him daily and in confession of sin and to have our feet washed, so to speak. And in fact, later in this chapter, verses 37 and 38, he specifically mentions points out Peter's failure. I mean, talk about a failure. Look at verse 37 and 38. Peter said to him, Lord, Lord, why can I not follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. 
Jesus answered, will you lay down your life for me? Truly, truly, I say to you, the rooster will not crow until you have denied me three times. Man. And yet Peter was a true follower. So what was the difference? Well, the difference between Peter and Judas was that Peter temporarily denied Jesus. Judas, Judas permanently betrayed Jesus. So Jesus knows who his followers are. And, um, you know, some of you here tell you, well, most of you, I'm sure, are true followers of Christ. You don't need a bath. You've already had that. You've been cleansed. But maybe what you do need is to come to Christ in confession of some sin. Maybe, maybe um, your feet are a little dirty. And uh, you just need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I, I confess that and receive your forgiveness. We know that he promises that uh, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Jesus knows who his true followers are. The second point I want to make that I think you see in these verses is Jesus commands his followers to love one another. He, he commanded and he modeled how they were to love one another uh, as we re read in the opening verses. But at the end of the chapter, near the end, verses 34 and 35, look what he says. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. You are also to love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you love if you have love for one another. Notice in those two verses, three times he commands them to love one another. <clears throat> in fact, later in, this, in uh, John 15, he makes the statement, these things I command you, that you love one another. You know, most people, when you, they read Jesus' words here, to love one another as he loved us, they immediately, their minds immediately go to Christ's death on the cross. And uh, that Jesus, when Jesus said to love one another as he loved us, it's, it's that he died and we need to be willing to die for each other. <clears throat> uh, and that's true in the sense that he would eventually die for them and uh, on the cross and that uh, in fact, even in, in, in later in John chapter 15, he says, greater love has no one than this, that he lay down his life. So yeah, that's true. But the fact is, in John 13, Jesus hadn't gone to the cross yet. He hadn't died for them yet. So, and and he, he says to them, to love one another as I have loved you, not as I am going to love you. You see, it's not, he's not saying future. He doesn't say hey, I'm going to die down the road and I want you to love, it, love each other that way. He's not, he doesn't say love each other as I am going to love you. He says love each other as I have loved you. And how did he just love them? He just washed their feet. We're to love each other by washing each other's feet. Now, there, some of you may know that there are some churches that practice this literally. In fact, when they have 
the Lord's Supper, they incorporate the washing of feet. And it's a very beautiful symbolic act, but I think what there's two things that washing feet symbolize here or represent. One is to humbly serve one another. To humbly serve one another in in literal, tangible ways. Um, Love one another by doing whatever you can to meet the physical, practical needs of your brothers and sisters in Christ. In fact, John, in his first epistle, John 13, verses 17 and 18, says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. You see, wow, yeah, we need to die. Well, he's not talking about that. Look, he says, If anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and in truth. See, that's how we're to love each other, by practically meeting the needs of one another. And and as many of you know, uh, the washing of someone's feet in that culture when you went into the house was, was a humble act. It was the act of the, what they say is the lowliest servant. His job was to wash feet. And yet, and that's what Jesus does. You see, he's not only teaching his disciples here by word, but by example. He's demonstrating how, how to humbly serve. In fact, interesting, in verse 3 it says, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God, was going back to God. You read that, you go, wow. That's right, Jesus was all, had all authority, was from God, he was God. You would think the next verse would say, so the disciples fought over who's going to get to wash his feet. You know, because it, it, it highlights how great he is. And yet, verses 4 and 5, rose from supper, laid aside his outer garments, took a towel, tied it around his waist, Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around him. How did Jesus love them? Love each other as I have loved you? By humbly serving them. You see, too often in our culture, love is equated with feelings. But Jesus is clearly not talking about feelings here. Because uh, you can't command feelings you can command actions and and jesus isn't saying uh, commanding them to feel love for each other but to do loving things for one another it wouldn't make sense to command feelings right because how can you command someone to feel something you can't but you can command them to do something and that was the expression of that love and by the way to humbly serve someone, even if you don't like them. You say, well, they're my brother and sister in Christ, but man, uh, how am I going to serve them? Do you know, when Jesus washed their feet, he washed Peter's feet. You know what Peter did? Not only did he wash Peter's feet, he washed Judas's feet. And I'm not so sure when he got to Judas, he was coming down the line, Peter, man, he was a denier. 
but I'm going to wash his feet anyway. He got to Judas and go, oh, man. I don't think he had this strong feeling of love towards Judas. Again, I'm speculating, but I don't think it was this, this warmth, this feeling that he had for Judas, but he just served him. In fact, I'm thinking if that was me, I'd say, oh, sorry, Judas, I didn't mean to break your toe, but, uh, or uh, I didn't mean to rip out that toenail or, or, or twist that ankle. He, he did what he commanded. He just served them, humbly served them. So, you know, we're called to serve one another as, you know, primarily in this context, brothers and sisters in Christ. And, you know, we may not have feelings, strong feelings toward one another in certain settings, but we're to do it anyway. So to, serve, to love is to humbly serve. But the second thing I think about how to love one another, and I believe that the other thing foot washing represented in this context in a figurative or spiritual way, was the forgiveness of sin. As we, we saw in the words of Jesus to Peter, in the instance of washing their feet, washing his feet, that was symbolic of forget, his sin being forgiven. Now, we cannot forgive people for their sin against God. You know, we all know that. I, I can't. Only God can forgive your sin before him. But we can and must forgive people for their sin against us. And I think loving one another, that's part of what it means to love one another. Not only to humbly serve, but to, to just be a forgiving person uh, to people who have maybe hurt you and offended you. In fact, these verses from Colossians 3, 12 to 14, I love these verses. It's, he says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if, it, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. You know how we love each other? by humbly serving and by consistently forgiving one another, those who've hurt us. So, are you a true follower of Jesus? Maybe there's someone here today, maybe you know you're not a true follower of Jesus, or maybe you're not sure if you are a true follower. You know, you can be sure, you can be sure today, if you're not, by just simply coming and calling out to the Lord and inviting him to come into your life, to forgive your sin, to be your savior, to take over your life. He will, and you, you can be a true follower of his. I wonder if there are some who are true followers here today, but if you're honest, you've allowed some dirt to accumulate on your feet. And you know there are some things in your life right now that you're not really dealing with and trying not to think about. Yet you know you've, you've sinned against God. If that's you, would you just come to the Lord today? In fact, when we would take communion at the close of the service, 
one of the things we're to do is examine ourselves. And maybe when you do that, you're going to say, you know, Lord, I, I need to come clean with you on this. So if that's you, I hope you uh, will do that. Is there someone you need to humbly serve today? Let me encourage you to do it, no matter who they are. And uh, it may not be someone you have strong feelings toward, but do it anyway. Just humbly serve. And do it today. Do it today. You know, when I, when I, the first church I served was on Long Island, a town called Wontaw. And downtown Wontaw, there was a sign that it said, keep Wontaw clean today. And I always appreciate that because keep Wontaw clean. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm going to, yeah, we're going to, today. To me, that makes such a difference. If I say, hey, listen, humbly serve someone. Yeah, 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 I need to do that. Do it today. Don't wait. Do it now. And then I wonder if there's someone here who just, you just need to let go of something that someone's done against you. A brother or sister in Christ, man. They, they, they've hurt you. They don't deserve to be forgiven. And uh, you, you just can't let it go. Could I, could I just encourage you today to love that brother or sister by forgiving them? I know it's not easy. And uh, some, sometimes it feels like it's impossible. But again, think about this. Think of what God's forgiven you of. Do you know that you deserve to go to hell? But Jesus, out of his love for you, he said, no, I don't want to. I'm going to die on the cross, and I'm going to forgive you, even though you don't deserve it. And... Uh, Again, if that's you, I hope you'll really go from here today with a commitment to, to being that forgiving person. If, if you're a forgiven person, you must be a forgiving person. If you are a forgiven person, but you're not a forgiving person, I'm not so sure you're forgiven. Because if you understand what you've been forgiven, if we understood that, how could we not extend that forgiveness uh, to those around us? So, hey, let's bow, bow your heads with me, would you? And let, let's pray. And uh, again, I just want to give you an opportunity to respond to the Lord. You know, maybe if you don't know Christ today, you're not a true follower, just get that settled. And just come and say, Jesus, I want to be a true follower of yours. And I know you've done everything possible for, that, for me to be forgiven. And I, I want to receive that now. Just do that if you've never done it before. And then if you're, you need to just confess something to the Lord, just do it now. Just before we take communion in a few moments, just say, Lord, I confess this. And I receive your forgiveness. Again, is there someone that came to mind that you need to serve? Um, just commit to do that right now, today, as soon as you possibly can. And then... 
If you need to forgive someone, just ask God for the grace you need to do that. To extend that forgiveness that's been extended to you. Oh Lord, thank you for your word to us. We, I pray that uh, we would respond in obedience to you in whatever area you've, you've spoken. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.